Hello, my beautiful Woman Inc. listeners. Welcome back. My guest this week is Sally Kochak. Sally is on a mission to help get more money in the hands of women. I love this mission. After a successful career on Wall Street, Sally started Elvest, a financial company built by women for women, providing solutions for all stages of women's financial lives to help them invest more, save more, and earn more. To date, Elvest has built an online community of more than 3 million women working towards financial equity. Sally and I chat about all things Wall Street, why she started Elvest, the challenges female founders face raising capital. I've been there. It is not fun. And just in general, advice for female entrepreneurs. I absolutely loved chatting with Sally. I love financial advice because I feel that we are so deprived of it and just general schooling growing up. So it is really intriguing for me to learn from people who do this for a living. Sally really touches on the changes that must be made for women to really take their financial security into their own hands and the importance of financial wellness and tips to just improve your money mindset. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. Now let's get on over to my conversation with Sally. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up and forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Sally, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, Jenna, happy to be here. I'm very excited to dive in. This is my favorite topic, investing, and especially for women. So first, I would love to just kind of rewind a bit and go back to your Wall Street days and kind of talk about how you got into that world and what you were doing before starting Elvis. I stumbled into it. I graduated from the University of North Carolina in the late 80s. And essentially, my father forbid me from moving to New York. So I was going to one place and one place only, and that was New York. And the jobs that were available then were jobs on Wall Street, and they were hiring in droves at the time. So I joined literally the month before the crash of 87. Had friends who joined with me get fired right away. Was an investment banker for a handful of years. They tried to get rid of me. They, there was no subtle or inherent bias. It was, we don't want women here. Uh, but I managed to sort of scratch and claw and stay and, and found my way out of investment banking into research, which appeals to the geeky analytical part of me and found a means to be successful and build a career in the industry. I love it. Okay. So from going to entrepreneur, what has that journey looks like from leaving Wall Street and actually starting something for yourself? Yeah. It's so much harder. You know, I I think I believe that I'm the only banker, Wall Street exec, investment exec, call it what you will, of my generation that has been worked at 
you know, in the C-suite of the big global banks. So I ran Merrill for a period of time. I was the CFO of Citigroup, et cetera. And then I started LMS and raised, you know, 140 something million dollars of venture capital funding. I don't think anybody else has done both of those things. And they're both really hard. And being an entrepreneur, starting LMS, raising the money is actually the harder of them. <laughs> you know, so my hat goes off to all individuals people who, who start businesses because there's nothing about it, Jenna, I don't have to tell you, there's nothing about it that's easy. It's the finding a problem that needs to be solved, framing the problem correctly, hypothesizing on a solution, building a solution, building a solution that's 10 times better, raising the money, which you can't do unless you have a team, but you can't get a team if you haven't raised the money, building a brand, building a community. In the case of an LMS building, the platform, the information secure, like like starting a company, finding, you know, at the time office space. I mean, every every bit of it is harder than the other before it. It all has to happen simultaneously. And you are always in those early days, one significant and maybe two medium-sized mistakes away from being out of business. You know, when I would I make plenty of mistakes, when I would make mistakes at Merrill, you know, hey, you know, we're making a couple billion bucks a year, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I made a mistake. You make a mistake in a startup and you're like, ah, I'm out of business. Yes. And you get lost kind of, right? In the big corporate world, it's like there's so much going on. For sure. That 100%. And that because there's so much going on and because you work on big teams, people, you know, can compensate for your blind spots or your weaknesses. And people who work for you, you can fill in around them. But, you know, in a startup world, you don't have that luxury at, at all. And so the people, every individual just matters so much. So true. Mm-hmm. What was the moment where you said to yourself, I have to start this company? This is the company that I have to create. There, there were two moments. The, the first moment was a recognition. And it was when I was putting on mascara one morning <laughs> that and it was it's sort of a a little bit of a random recognition. It was that the retirement savings crisis, the retirement savings shortfall in our country is actually a gender issue. It's a woman's crisis because we women, you know, 80% of us die single. We live six to eight years longer than the, our male partners, if we have a male partner. So if there's not enough money to fund retirement, it's our problem. And so that's when I like, oh, nobody talks about retirement as, you know, this retirement shortfall is actually being a woman's problem. So that was the first, and that led to sort of cascading, you know, realizations that, ah, it is the gender pay gap, but it's also the gender wealth gap. Women only own 30 cents to a white man's dollar for black women, a penny for brown women, a penny. Ah, okay. What's a driver of that? You know, ah, women don't invest as much as men do. Ah, you know, the traditional industry says it's because we're risk averse. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's that they didn't build, you know, businesses so heavily male and masculine built a heavily male and masculine industry. So that was sort of one series of recognitions, which was a catalyst. At that point, I knew I had to do something. The something I thought I would do because my background is large traditional companies was let me let me go find a big company. What I know the CEOs of these places, let, let me go take these insights and the, you know, I'd done research about the market. I had hypotheses about the solution. Let me go to some of these CEOs and we can partner or I'll give it to them, you know, but let me, let me go to them and, and get this off and running. And within a big company, they can give it the resources for something so important and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, they all want women clients. But, but Jenna, I, 
I went to one breakfast with a, a, not surprisingly, male CEO of a large bank who I knew quite well and walked through all the stats. You know, women, 90% of women manage their money on at some point in their lives, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the opportunity. And he is not an old, didn't feel like an old, you know, out of it person. And he leaned back in his seat. He's like, that is so interesting, Sally. And he said, but don't their husbands manage their money for them? <laughs> I know. Jenna, and, and I'm like, I, yeah, you're never going to get this. Like, that's sort of the point, right? You're never going to get this. And at that point, I went from, this has to be done in a startup, that these big companies are so successful, but they were built to be successful as it has been done. And they're making so much money as it has been done there's really no need for, no catalyst, no impetus for them to change. There's so much research that shows, I mean, women-owned companies actually perform better. Like It's actually crazy how little funding women get and then how effective they are with the funding that they have. And I'm talking about startups, obviously. Yes, but yes. why do you think that women in general are more hesitant to invest their money knowing like we we can see the yeah. data shows us yeah. that. By, by the way, it's it, you know this is also true for large companies that diverse teams, gender diverse teams, outperform smarter teams. You know, are more innovative. So diversity is a positive in business, regardless of almost what kind of diversity is or where you find it. But to your question, what makes women hesitant? A lifetime of messaging, a lifetime of messaging that starts in childhood. Reshma Sajani, you know, who's the um, the, the Mother's Initiative talks about in the how, you know, boys are taught to be brave, girls are taught to be perfect, right? And we see that investing isn't, you know, can be an act of bravery. We see that in schools today, little boys are given better grades in math for the same answers as little girls. We see in homes today, little boys are given higher allowances for the same chores as little girls. When we grow up, the media messages, Jenna, are overwhelming that for men, male media and things, CNBC, Bloomberg, et cetera, Barron's is all about money is affirmative. It's about growth. It's about investing. It's about getting ahead in business. So it's very positive. For women, the media two-thirds is negative. And of that, something like 90% blames her. So it's Financial planning doesn't have to be really, really hard. Don't buy the latte, which is coded language for women because that's, you know, and particularly the, you know, Jenna, the pumpkin spice latte. I mean, we're in peak make fun of women season there, you know, and mock her choices. You know, too many facials. Carrie Bradshaw had so many shoes she couldn't afford the apartment. So for us, it's you have less money and it is your fault. Not Jenna, you have less money and it's because you're making 80 cents to a white man's dollar. Like it has, it is not at all your fault. And so today, when you say the word, you say money to a man, you say, what comes to mind? Power, strength, independence. You say money to a woman, what comes to mind? Loneliness, isolation, uncertainty. Mm. It is a lifetime of messages that she receives. It's like, whoa, I better, you know, since I've been, since I'm not very good at it, since I've frittered it away, since I've been taught to be perfect, you know, that when it comes to investing, I'm playing tight. You know, one of the things we saw, the, you know, gender difference. If you ask a man his risk tolerance, he's not sure, but he takes an educated guess and invest. Women who've been taught to be perfect, you ask her, she's like, whoa, that seems important. And she leaves, she leaves. So it's layers of messaging that keep us from stepping into our full power. Within Elvest, 
what about the platform is specifically benefiting and and supporting women? So the most tangible example that I can give you is that our investing algorithm is gender aware, which at first you might be like, whoa, you know, I want to invest like the guys. Well, you don't because the reality of a woman's economic life is we tend to earn less. We take more career breaks. Our salaries, unfortunately, peak sooner and we die later. So if you invest exactly the same as a man and pull that money out exactly, you, you will run out of money or certainly have a you know less prosperous retirement, for example. So we, in our onboarding, take into account as we build her investment portfolios, things like gender, woman, man, non-binary, but also what part of the country are you in? What industry are you in? So we can forecast, you know, what age are you? What's your, so we can forecast what your wealth curve will be. So that's a biggie. Another biggie is that we have learned that women tend to want to invest for positive impact. We sort of intuitively all know, Jenna, that money has an impact, that it's going into companies that produce carbon emissions, that have all men, you know, mostly men on the board. We, we don't have a ton of transparency into it, but all of us can provide impact portfolios that enable us to, without you know, having to give up financial return by definition um, that can enable us to invest for a positive impact. That is so true. I've always encouraged my girlfriends to invest. So I'm like the one, even though I have very limited knowledge that I come to. And my friend called me and she was like, I was looking at the S&P 500 and she's like, I don't like a lot of these companies. I don't like what they stand for. So I don't want to. And it's, yeah, it's so true. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. While building this company, what have you found especially like interesting or surprising with the habits of women investing? Interesting, but not surprising, is women will set a plan and execute that plan. Um, so at Elevest, we encourage investing a bit out of every paycheck out of every paycheck. So I've started to say a little bit, but a big bit is is good too. And by doing that, by the way, had you invested over any 10-year period from the early 1900s and invested a bit out of every paycheck in almost, you could have started investing on almost any day and would have had a positive return over 10 years. You know, we are very big fans of let's set a plan, let's put in place a recurring deposit and let's set it and forget it. And we will take care of the rebalancing for you, et cetera, et cetera. Last year, the mutual fund and ETF industries were in significant outflows. People were pulling their money out. At Elevest, every week for the past two years, two plus years, we've had positive inflows, those recurring deposits. And so when people were freaking out, our women were standing firm and investing. And that is the way to do it. Historically, you know, you you freak out and leave. You, probably everybody else is freaking out on the same day, which often means that's the day you should be going against the herd um, and buying. So, you know, the research tells us that women, when they invest, outperform men by half a percentage point or a percentage point a year, which doesn't seem like that much, but with compounding, really adds up over time. And because Elevest is so much of a pure play, we can now see that happening IRL. Mm, that's very fascinating. Having a background like CFO City and like these insane titles that people work their whole life to achieve. And then you leave that to start going yeah. to the unknown and do what everyone's afraid to do. How did your peers respond to you? Because I get this question all the time. People are so afraid of that. Well, it depends on who it was. You know, there's some group, you're, you know, Wolfpack, um, who like, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm here for you and call me and I'm going to 
you know, when you stumble, I'm going to pick you up and dust you off and give you a glass of white wine and, you know, (laughs) send you on your way. The industry, sort of my peers in the industry, were enormously skeptical and reactions like, you know, very defensive. We serve women too. Well, why do women need their own thing? We, we've got women clients, you know, and you're like, yeah, you got women clients, but it's 10% of your overall number. And, you know, the research tells us that when their husband passes away or they split up, she leaves 80 to 90% of the time over the next year. So you've got women, but, you know, they rank the industry pretty much dead last of the industries that serve them. So, you know, <laughs> but there was a defensiveness to it. And what, of course, was disappointing because it it just is, is, you know, there are women who do it. There was um, one article from a journalist who, who I'd been quite friendly with for years. And it was just like, oh, what a, you know, oh, it sounds like a good idea, but, and, and, and then, you know, well, but the real issue is the gender pay gap. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, fine. So we shouldn't work on any other money gaps because you think the pay gap is like, but, you know, and by the way, the pay gap is structural. You know, with the investing gap, we can individually make a choice to begin to invest. And, you know, the pay gap, you increase your pay. Sadly, that's not what builds wealth. That's not what builds wealth is when you can have your money earn money on your money. When your money works for you rather than you working for your money, And the only two ways to do that in a scalable way in this country have been real estate, but you got to take out a mortgage and you got to put down a down payment and all that stuff and, you know, or investing, which is very accessible. And so it was just a, you know, just like, hey, everybody, we're trying to create something here. Could you just keep it to a dull roar, your skepticism, just for like a minute? Because if we're successful, it's only a positive. It's only a positive. It's not negative for anybody. Yeah, it just shows how no matter what, you're going to have people that just tell you what you're doing is not going to work. (laughs) Or does it matter? There's always voices. Of course, of course, of course. Okay, so I want to transition a little to raising money for your Mm. business. What would you say would be a valuable piece of advice for startup founders who are going in to these meetings with these VC guys, I guess, and women, but a lot of VC guys trying to raise money for their businesses? Can I give them a hug? (laughs) You know, it's it's not, it's not you, it's them. Yeah. I would say it's not you, it's them. You know, we, we just... Uh, we, you know, for for women who are listening, we we just gloss over these numbers. Women CEOs, startup CEOs raise two percent of venture dollars, and we just sort of say it, and then we sort of leave it. And what it means, of course, are all the businesses that aren't founded, which is just terrible. But it's also what it literally means, Jenna, is it takes us fifty times longer, right? If we're, you know, we're getting two percent of the dollars, that means you have to have fifty times more meetings and fifty times more models sent out and 50 times more questions answered and 50 times more stupid questions answered. And so you really, you you look at so many of the successful, even the unicorn companies founded by women and not a single one of them says, you know, I had three meetings and I got the, um, the money raised. It is always, I had hundreds of meetings, always, always. And so you just have to be ready for it. And you have to be, you know, have to have, I think, often a great co-founder so that one of you can do that and the other can start the business and run the business. And you just can't, you know, you have to have, you know, skin of steel for it and just be able to take a no and let it roll right off your back. 
But, you know, it's you're going up against the patriarchy. So and it's a structural system that is stacked against underrepresented groups. So I don't have the trick. I have great numbers, you know. Well, I'd love to have great numbers. My problem is I'm spending my whole time fundraising. <laughs> um, you know, I obviously, you know, practice, practice, practice. Try to get to some venture funds that are your second tier, you know, or not your dream venture fund first to practice it and get the kinks out and know your numbers um, and then just settle in for a hard, long, hard slog. Yeah. When building the culture of your company, what changes have you made from the typical Wall Street finance company? Yeah. Well, first of all, we represent her. It helps to build a business where you are her. That said, we are enormously research focused. We, we do nothing on a whim. We are relentlessly analytical, but it does help set some shortcuts to know what to test if you are her. So our company is 85% women. That's true in the leadership team. It's true throughout the company. We overrepresent underrepresented groups across the business. And so as a result of that, you end up building a culture that is simply different from, you know, what the traditional industry is. We've tried to be thoughtful about, you know, our benefits programs. We have unlimited PTO. We trust the folks at Ellabest uh, to be adults, but to be adults, not just like you got to get your work done, but be an adult Take the time when you need it. Do not burn out and make sure, you know, kick over their shoulders to make sure that they are taking the time, as well as having benefits programs where parental leave is for primary and non-primary caregivers because we don't want to have a mommy track at the company and making sure that we're giving people leave for things like, you know, miscarriage or paid safe leave, for example. So trying to build a culture and a benefits program that centers her and centers underrepresented groups as opposed to doing it the way it has been done since time immemorial. I love that. How did you go about building the team in the beginning? Who were your first key hires? Oh, boy. So Dr. Sylvia Kwan, so our chief investment officer, who, you know, is the the brains of the organization. You know, I was not going to start LFS without having, of course, an absolutely top-notch chief investment officer, PhDs, decades of experience, creativity, a passion for impact. And, you know, if you're going to follow the research, women investors do tend yeah. to outperform. So <laughs> it was quite the list. And Jenna, I couldn't find anybody. I know most of the chief investment officers in the industry. And I'm like, this person doesn't exist. And you know, could I do it myself? And maybe I can't found the company. And ended up, believe it or not, you know, was it one of, I'm sort of an introvert extrovert. So I was at a conference and, and just had to get away from people and went up to my hotel room and started clicking around on LinkedIn. You know, who are people that you're connected with? Who are their connections? I mean, like really stalkery stuff. <laughs> Love they it. They can't believe they make that stuff available. And I'm like, oh, I know this person. Who are they? And I saw Sylvia's you know, her her profile. And I'm like, this is this is her. Here she is. And she's in San Francisco. So I reached out, you know, no search person, no anything, reached out to her directly. And look, I've been around in the industry for so long and worked at such big companies. She receives the the invite, the message, and she she says she's sitting in bed. She's clicking around and she turns to her husband, Bill, and said, Sally Krawcheck, you know, somebody's impersonating Sally Krawcheck and is trying to reach out to me about some bogus job. Should I, I, how do I let her know? And I think she like 
clicked back to let me know on my profile that someone was in and realized it was me. And yeah. we were together two days later. I, she's in San Francisco. I was in New York. And I had, we were together two days later and had a handshake two days later. Because I went to her and I said, this is what I'm thinking. And I, I know goosebumps, right? And Jenna, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, and so this is what I'm thinking. And this is the kind of person I want. And she was so adorable. And she's such a brainiac, but she's so, so adorable. She raises her hand and she says, choose me, choose me. And it was... <laughs> that is the best. Yeah, yeah. And, and from there, we just started filling in, you know, looking for who's going to run technology for us, who's the person to write the first line of code. You know, the designer was a super important hire for us because we wanted the a certain look and feel to the product that didn't feel like, here is our economic outlook. But instead, you know, welcome, Jenna. You know, let's learn about you a little bit. And so trying to sort of turn... I think the big banks have gotten better now, but at the time it was very much, let me blast about myself to you. And we wanted it to feel more familiar to her. Yeah, personalized. And it does, by the way. I really get that feeling. What are you most excited about thinking of the future of Elvest? So we have been talking a little bit about, you know, part of Elvest that is the digital offering that helps women invest from that first dollar. And I love that. And by the way, I love when I get to walk to the airport with my Elvest bag and a young woman will sometimes stop me and, you know, I'm an investor and you, you've given me such confidence because money is such a source of stress. Um, we've also built... Um, a business that grows with her. And so when she is ready, we have financial planners who are there to help her if she's going to get married or she's got a big promotion or she's getting divorced. And how do you manage through that? And then she graduates to financial advisor, private wealth. Within there, we have found amongst successful women, a real desire to invest in other women. And so I talked about it before on, on digital, but what we can do for women who are accredited investors, so they've got a certain level of sophistication, is help them actually invest in women. And by that, you know, getting money to women venture capitalists who are investing in women CEOs, um, investing in femtech, healthcare for women, investing to get money to small business owners, women small business owners in Latin America, where they don't have access to working capital. And I could go on and, you know, um, investing to get water to women and children and families in Africa. I could go on and on on that. But, you know, for so many successful women today who want to invest in women, the choices are mutual fund, amazing, or angel investing, also amazing and incredibly risky. And what we're doing is we're filling in the space in between there so that you can not just have your 60-40 investment portfolio, but truly get money into the hands of women, not theoretically, but actually get money in the hands of women. Where, you know, again, we, we know the research shows that you can get a superior return. Oh, I love that. Sally, mm. this has been so inspiring. I'm so excited for women to hear this and to go hopefully join Alvest. Well, I hope what, so. I have one more question for you. What would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who's starting her own business? Uh, buy a lot of wine. <laughs> Don't take it too personally. Don't take it too seriously. Buy a ton of wine. Use it liberally as needed. The, the other bit, which is for all women, and you know, Jenna, what this advice is going to be, is to invest. That, you know, as mentioned today, our number one source of stress is money. Today, there, you know, the reliable means historically to build wealth has been to invest. And that doesn't mean over every six-month period or every year it's going to work. But the reason that 
the gender and racial wealth caps are opening up the way they have is because white men have been had had the capital to invest and take advantage of compounding where your money grows more rapidly over time because you're earning money on the money on the money on the money on the money that you earned on the money there's you know compounding is just not an intuitive concept you think your money can grow linearly but in fact it you know the growth picks up um, over time it snowballs as Warren Buffett says and so for every woman just getting in there, not waiting until you know what a basis point is, not buying the book and going through it, but finding someplace, I hope it's LFS, but someplace that you trust and just beginning to put away some amount of money, even if it's a dollar a week, just to get in that mindset of being an investor. And what we find is you do that, you begin to build a little wealth, you begin to build a little confidence. You know, all of a sudden you begin to build the means to quit the job that you hate. You build the means to, you know, take the two years to start the company that you're dreaming of. Um, so I would say my best career advice is to invest because it just loosens everything else up. And there are just too many women today in this country that are stuck in bad relationships, bad jobs, dead ends, because they just simply don't have the money. And the the final thing I'll say is, you know, making more money at work is hard. First of all, you have to go to work every day. Like that's a whole thing. You have to probably be good at your job. That's another whole thing. And you probably have to have a boss who's got the sway to get the money to give you. And you probably have to work at a company that's doing well. Like that's a lot. Investing is freaking 15 minutes. It's 15 minutes. It is, I would put forth the best, the highest return 15 minutes of your life. You know, except maybe that 15 minutes that you were born or the 15 minutes when you meet your partner, maybe. <laughs> but other than that, it's like this the smartest, highest return, historically has been the smartest, highest return 15 minutes you'll ever spend. Oh, I love it. Okay, good. Go invest. This is inspiring. Thank you, Sally, oh, so my much. Pleasure. My pleasure. Happy to be here, Jenna. Thanks for having me. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.